You're listening to Work Human Radio. And here's your host, Mike Wood. Welcome back to another edition of Work Human Radio, pioneered by Global Force. My name is Mike Wood, and I'm your host. And I am super excited today because I am joined by Cy Wakeman. Hi, Cy. Hi, Mike. I love it when we're back together again. <laughs> yes. Oh, Cy, this is going to be your third year at Work Human, right? Isn't that crazy? It's my third year at Work Human. I'm addicted. <laughs> well, we're addicted to you, Cy. So uh, welcome back to Work Human Radio. And for our listeners who aren't really familiar with your work, tell us a little bit about you and reality-based leadership. Absolutely. Um, I'm a drama researcher, and we think one of the few in the world. I study how much time we spend in drama, emotional waste, in the workplace. And I figure out from my research what fuels that drama and how we can modernize our leadership approach to recapture that time and effort and upcycle it into great experiences and results and good conscious capitalism. That's great. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? And I, I believe you were a marriage counselor at, at, at one point and then got into HR. Can you talk about kind of how this all came together? Absolutely. I uh, I originally went to school for third world economic development. I wanted to do micro lending in Africa, and uh, I will do that someday. I just haven't gotten there. Um, but um, I went in my second career as a social worker. I was a counselor and in a healthcare system, and I did work with families, um, married couples, adolescents, people that had chemical dependency. Um, challenges. And I was very well versed in human behavior and the research and evidence around um, why people do what they do. I was asked to take on a leadership role in healthcare and then took on many great leadership roles. And what I found out that really gave birth to my career is much of the time that we taught about leadership wasn't anchored in evidence around human behavior. And so there was a lot of good ideas and recommendations and kind of pop psychology. But as I learned what we were being taught as a leader, I kept thinking, you know, that won't work. And that's conventional wisdom, but not evidence-based. And so I set off on my own path using what I knew. And I was able to create some great results, fabulous engagement and buy-in. And then I started to go out into the world um, upon request and talk about how I moved through the world differently as a leader and how others might be able to learn from that and do that as well. Great. So, I mean, I, I look at work nowadays and we all have a reminder of whatever struggle that we have um, coming from home or, or whatever on our on a daily basis. You don't just go to work and unplug because everybody has a phone in their pocket and everybody has the internet and whatnot. So, I think there is more of a need to take care of your employees. Can uh, do, do you agree? You know, I think there's more of a need to um, help your employees be very self-sufficient on how to move through the world in a skilled and evolved way. And that's why I move away from something like take care of your employees to um, make sure every employee knows you care about them. And um, also expect them to enter into the workplace and participate at home and at work in their own evolution. 
And, and what I mean by that is we all have these um, life journeys that we go on, that we have things happen. Um, but I want to equip you as the employer that cares, the place that you happen to spend a lot of your time, as someone who can move through that joyfully and skillfully, because life's messy, but I can teach you how to live happy, rather than just um, colluding with you about what's happening and having sympathy for you, Instead of me feeling bad for what's happening to you, I want to have empathy, which I see you're suffering, and then really call you up to greatness and teach you some ways that you can move through that situation um, and grow and develop and be really um, successful in whatever goals that you have. So it's a little bit of a difference than some of the typical engagement um, viewpoints in the world. Yeah, so um, why do you think that engagement just, I mean, many uh, many HR organizations measure engagement as like their success metric. How do you think yep. that engagement is flawed at its current state? You know, I've done a lot of work on engagement, and I absolutely believe that, um, you know, engagement is an awesome thing, and we want it. Um, I found out when I looked at research I did with people who scored low in accountability versus high in accountability, that the people who are high in accountability thought engagement was a choice they make, that buy-in's a verb, and people low in accountability thought that engagement was something that employers or organizations need to do for them and create circumstances that are easy to engage with, and that didn't seem sustainable to me. Um, The sweet spot is when organizations create fabulous places for high accountable to work. And so I jumped in the research and found three ways that it's flawed and, and I'll be pretty simple about it. One way that engagement is flawed the way we do it now is we count every vote the same. So I may be your top performer who is emotionally inexpensive and highly valuable. And my opinion counts the exact same as somebody on the survey who is not performing or not engaged or very victim-minded. And that flaw, it, it was an unintentional outcome. When we started talking about engagement, um, people assumed that everyone had performance management systems in place and that the only people left in the organization were people that were all in. And so why not count every vote the same? But people's different places around accountability levels and corrupts the data. We also have made a lot of assumptions around circumstances drive engagement and kind of workplace happiness, but most of the evidence on happiness has shown that a majority of your current happiness level today is not your circumstances. It's not driven by that. It's driven by the amount of accountability you take for your work. So that's a little shaken. And then A lot of people really believe that engagement drives results. And when we looked at that ourselves, we saw many times that they weren't as connected as people thought that they were, that accountability drives both engagement and results, but engagement doesn't always drive results. And so we still love engagement, but we know today the way you enhance engagement is enhance accountability and then engage the high accountables, and you'll get a lot bigger bang for your buck. So that's a lot. I'm going to tell that whole backstory at WorkHuman this year. I'm excited about it. Right. Yeah. I mean, you could be a disengaged employee 
that never takes any responsibility for your own actions. And you're not necessarily going to leave because you don't put in the effort to take care of yourself and try to find a better situation for yourself. You're just going to end up staying there and bringing the organization down with you, right? Absolutely, Mike. Like a lot of people, for me, I'm like, stay and engage, stay and buy in or, you know, stay and enjoy or leave in peace. But there's a whole third option we give people, stay and critique, stay and sabotage, stay and resist. There's also the opposite, though. I had this one person, I'll never forget her. Her name is Marla, who works for me. She was the most engaged, high morale, enthusiastic person. I think she probably had the secret tattoo of the company's logo on her tailbone. Like, And wow. I didn't get much work from her. She loved that place, and I did all my own PowerPoint, all my own curriculum. Like, She was engaged but not producing results. I think it can go both ways. I don't think they're that related. Yeah, she's like, oh, they can't fire me if I'm super nice. So <laughs> Exactly. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about um, the ego. You have your book, uh, No Ego. Um, can you tell us a little bit about like the ego's role in drama and, and work? Absolutely. The research we did, so we found the average person, good performer, you know, not a bad person, spends two and a half hours a day in drama at work per head count. This is a kind of across the board. That means 816 hours a year per person is, um, you know, wasted. It's just, we kiss it goodbye. And of that 816 hours, 32% of it is uh, driven by ego behavior. So venting, judging, gossiping, tattling, comparing, forekeeping, that um, we have come to say is just part of the human condition. And what we know about everyone is they have a human condition and ego is part of it and it's like they have a little toggle switch on their forehead if they're toggled down they're seeing the world through the lens of the ego they're at the mercy of their circumstances they're the victim the pain they feel is due to their circumstances and if they're toggled up same person in a different part of their brain they are engaged and they're helping, not judging. They're compassionate. They're full of options. And that self-reflection seems to be that big driver between um, low self and high self. If you just pause and self-reflect and stop believing your own thinking, it really um, forces the brain to um, move into accountability and innovation. Like you can't the cool thing about this setup is you can't be in low self and high self at the same time. You can't be judging or helping at the same time. And so most of the drama at work is being driven by people not understanding how the ego is playing them at work and understanding their own minds and their ability to move into high self, the importance of moving into high self. The most leadership philosophy is how do I work with you while you're in low self? Like, how do I work with the unwilling? And we teach modern leadership philosophy, which is how do I toggle switch you up in the beginning and then teach you to run your own toggle so that you're in high self. Now we can use a lot of these great techniques um, for good. So that's really, we work a lot on understanding the ego, helping you understand the ego and move beyond it, bypass it. 
So um, I work for Global Force. Uh, Global Force put, puts on uh, Work Human, and we have a product out in the market called Conversations. And we're basically under the belief that you shouldn't have a yearly performance review; that you should have real time feedback with your manager, um, so you know where where you stand. Now, do you have and, and and the things you need to work on? Do you have any advice on um, giving and receiving feedback? Because uh, both are equally scary. If you have to give someone negative feedback, or yeah. you, you receive negative feedback yourself, can you can you kind of walk us through like how to deal with feedback? Absolutely. And first, I want to go back to um, you know one of the reasons I love um, working in in. Um, conjunction with global forces because they do use evidence and um, wonderful research to drive what they bring to you, um, you know, to your laptop and, and mobile phone. And that's that we want to keep things conversational before they get confrontational and that the best um, um, flow of energy is um, having conversation about what's happening while it's happening because the performance review um, definitely will engage the ego. It's like a punch in the face of the ego. And um, so I, I love that part. And I'm hoping in those conversations, and I know that there's room for that definitely in um, your um, application to not tell as much as we um, ask questions for self-reflection. And so when we interviewed high accountables and we said, how did you get that way? They said we were challenged, not just by promotion, but by work assignment. Our thinking was challenged. We were put in new situations. And then we weren't rescued. We experienced accountability. We, um, No one sugarcoated our results. They didn't um, protect us from kind of our reality. And then they brought up feedback. So they said we're challenged and we experienced accountability. They said the value in experiencing accountability was even more important than feedback. And they said to us they really wanted feedback short and self-reflection long. And that was interesting to us because it really bumped up in, in joint forces with like, um, you know, David Rock's work on the best feedback is feedback you actually asked for, not uninvited. And, you know, um, and that feedback is not my bias or my opinion of you, whether you match my unconscious or conscious biases. It's really saying, you know, here's your work and what I um, have been able to measure. And I just um, want you to reflect on that. Is that how far off of that is what you committed to? And let's talk about that gap. What do you think that gap's about? And what would you like to change in your approach? And we just know that self-reflection is better than telling. The power of a leader is what you get people thinking about. We know that real time, keeping things conversational, keep things safe so we don't employ the ego. We don't wake it up. Um, and that self-reflection really bypasses the ego and gets people into the expertise they have they know best about them what's going on and um and so if you can get some good data points and some transparency about conversation real-time information it fuels your self-reflection and self-reflection is really the death to the ego it's the foundation of accountability so real-time feedback that is short and fuels self-reflection will build accountability in your organization so that's what i would say about feedback 
So um, I, re- I mean, receiving it, feedback. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So I was just thinking that, you know, if if you just think of any type of struggle that you've had in in your life, if um, and you get through it, you look back at that struggle as a, you know, it made you a better person. It's a better story than oh, I had everything handed to me all my life and never had to do any any type of struggle. So. If you go through a tough time at work and you work through a, a problem or whatnot, I, I, I think it just makes you a more well-rounded person. It really does. And what I like about real-time feedback is it says we are in relationship with one another. We will be. Um, this is a natural part of adulting together that we're going to just handle things as they come up. It's not personal. It's conversational. And and I would say for those of us that are um, want to be highly accountable when you get feedback, um, if you were all in and committed and you were really resilient and looking around for what you could do next and how you could stay on track, even in the face of obstacles, feedback is just additional data for growth. And what I find a lot of times is that people personalize feedback and many times they personalize feedback because it is personal. They weren't committed in the first place or they weren't resilient or, I mean, if feedback hurts, look even deeper at that hurt. Um, so if it feels personal, don't lash out, look deeper. And one of the things I tell people is they'll defend feedback. I'll say, you know, here's something I've noticed. Um, don't take my word for it. Check it out for yourself. You're the expert on you, but I've noticed this. And they'll come back to me with all the reasons why it's not true. And I'll say, you know, I love that you spent some energy on working on how it's not true. Now to be mentally flexible and balanced, I would like you to work as hard on finding how it is true. And when you get feedback, figuring out how it is true is such freedom because then you can take any piece of feedback and find it in yourself with no shame. Um, Somebody could give me feedback like, Cy, you're a murderer. That's pretty strong feedback. Yeah, you know, I mean, and that's why I say it's the strongest feedback ever. I'm like, what an accusation. But if I really went inside, I can find that. I haven't physically killed anybody, but I've killed people's um, spirit with microaggressions under my unconscious bias. I, um, I voted for a governor who rumored that he was a favor of capital punishment and i ignored that i put him in office and he implemented capital punishment which if you know the statistics there's many people who end up on death row because more because of their race rather than their crime mm-hmm. um and so the ability to take any feedback without defense and be able to find it frees you up to learn so much about yourself. And once you can move past that fear, there's just really no danger in the world. Go for it. It frees you up to do big things. Love it. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit and talk about work human. Um, This is a great little teaser to um, how great you are um, and how much you know about drama (laughs) and talking about it and how to ditch ditch the drama. Um, This will be your third year at work human. Like what about the conference kind of brings you back? Oh, my gosh. Um, I'm kind of a geek about it. So I talk all the time about we've got to modernize leadership. And we all talk about it, but hardly ever do we figure out how to, like, really do it. So Work Human to me is the lab of what it feels like. We aren't just going to talk about it. Every part of Work Human experience 
is here's what it feels like to work in an evolved workplace um, for the conference. And so I come back year after year uh, when I was there the first year. It really is a gathering of progressive-minded people. Everyone in the audience, not just the people on stage. The people on stage are thought leaders, but everybody you talk to in the audience is really a thought leader. Um, it's the modern conference. It's um, the the audience members that are attracted to it are like-minded in that they're looking for new ways and they're open-minded and innovative. Um, but it really is the modern workplace in a nutshell. It's diverse. It is um, inclusive. It is um it's really pushing the envelope and um, I learn. I come for my own personal development. Most of the places I go, I'm in, I speak, I'm out. I look at, do I want to stay for another two days? And I think, gosh, dang, you know, that's an expensive investment for me to not be out in the road working and work human. I block it off all the days every year, because even if I'm not speaking, I will be attending. It's just my conference of, of choice. So um, yeah. If you don't know about work human and you're listening to this, um, get on it. <laughs> so um, I end up going to a lot of HR conferences just as, as part of my job here. And I mean, I know I, I work for Global Force and I work for work human, but it's really kind of a different beast that I see um, just in terms of the attendees and the community that kind of naturally gets created while people are at work human. And I see people coming back. Yeah. And everybody, anybody, everybody basically gets there, and they know that there's a problem out there. They know that that work could be better. That um, you know, there's things that we can do, and there's some experts out there that are in different parts of HR that can bring, uh, like yourself with drama and David Rock with kind of neuro neurology. You know, there's all these different little solutions out there, but how can we bring it all together? So I, I just love that community of people that are there, and your your fans are great. <laughs> yeah. They're amazing. And there's, and the cool thing about Work Human is a lot of other conferences is audiences passive and leaders, you know, impart truth. And, um, and you know, the only time we sit around the tables for lunch and, you know, the dialogue's pretty limited and but it's different at Work Human. It's, um, it really is kind of a wonderful study where you get all these data points in and there's a lot of really cool people to help you process how it might apply to your individual situation and the networking is grand and the energy is, is big. And so um, I'm in a lot of fantastic conferences. I'm not knocking any conference. It's kind of like, I love all ice cream and we're human. It's like the <laughs> banana split with homemade whipped cream and a sparkly cherry on top. So, um, you know, I love it. And you guys bring together some um, atypical and typical um presenters in a way that really um, builds a rich experience so yeah can you tell um, i'm a fan i can't wait it's in yes it is great yeah 70 plus sessions um we I, i'm part of the team that helps pick the um the speakers each year and we really try to pick people that aren't necessarily out there everywhere so um we try to get some new voices in there and um for this year we try to get some old favorites too um but uh, since we were talking, since you were talking about food, um, this is going to air on November 29th, um, but we are actually taping it right now the day before Thanksgiving. Sai, what is your Thanksgiving like, and um, 
what's your favorite Thanksgiving meal? Awesome. I would tell you that um, our Thanksgiving is um, always in flux. I come from um, a family that had seven kids. We lost one of our brothers, and our parents are gone. And uh, one cool thing about our family is we um, have mobile traditions. So uh, we flux in and out. We have some traditions, but mostly our biggest tradition is get together and love each other up and and eat and tell stories and usually watch um hopefully the hawkeyes beat the huskers <laughs> on friday um this year it's at my house and i have a couple of brothers coming over with their kids and um i've actually ordered everything from wow. whole foods not one you. ounce of cooking and the reason we did that is we have a family member who um, received an amazing gift of a liver transplant a few weeks ago. And we are spending a lot of our time helping her recover in the hospital and all hands on deck to love her up. And so we just decided we'd order the food in and not cook this year. And we have a jigsaw puzzle coming from Amazon Prime that we'll be um, putting together. But I would tell you my favorite food about Thanksgiving is devil's eggs, wow. and my sister makes them, so hopefully she'll listen to this podcast and bring extra. <laughs> um, I think I, I might have mentioned to you that, um, just a little bit about my background, I'm a quadruplet. There are uh, four of us that were born at the same time, uh, two boys and two That's girls. Crazy. Yeah, it is. Um, I could have been like, the, like my parents could have been like the octomom back in the you know the early 80s but they kind of shied away from the uh publicity but uh we all kind of have kids now and so it's just like this huge family gathering and uh we're all so busy that we actually have to schedule it for a couple weeks from now so the wood family thanksgiving is going to be in a couple (laughs) weeks but i get to go to my mother-in-law's house yeah i get to go to my mother-in-law's house tomorrow and uh she gets to tell me all the vegetables that i don't eat and it's this i'm 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 36. I don't have to eat turnips if I don't want to. That's how I feel That's about so it. so funny because I'm the girl who loves the turnips and rutabagas and all that stuff. Oh. I would be the person probably lecturing you on vegetables. Probably. I mean, she brings out new vegetables every year. Like, there were root vegetables one year that was just a bunch of different roots that don't even deserve a name that she's trying to get me to eat. I've never heard of them before, so... I guess. I guess my parents didn't want to try to give us. Yeah. Yeah. My parents didn't want to give us all the root vegetables when there's, you know, a bunch of kids at home. So uh, I want I want to thank you for joining us today. And uh, I hope you and your team and everybody involved with uh, Cy Wakeman has a wonderful Thanksgiving. And uh, we really look forward to seeing you at Work Human. I look forward to it, too. And uh, yeah, however you celebrate Thanksgiving, I hope that that time um, that we're, most organizations give us away, although some of you are working retail, um, that you find a way to connect and, and uh, love your family up. So thank you, Mike. I will get my cowboy boots out and <laughs> practice my karaoke for Nashville. Great. Work Human Radio is brought to you by GloboForce, pioneers of the work human movement. GloboForce helps make work more human for millions of people and organizations worldwide. Learn more by visiting GloboForce.com and join the Work Human movement by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and the Work Human Community Forum on LinkedIn. Thanks again for listening to Work Human Radio.